Welcome to Urban Core Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. We're in the process of trying to hook up our first guest, Dr. Carver Gayton. But in the meantime, uh, Hayward, we have uh, a little later on, we're going to have uh, Miguel Beltran from the city of Seattle on. He has a lot of responsibilities under him, the Wemby program, the DBE program, the apprenticeship utilization. And then we also have a victory to talk about with uh, Winona hollis <clears throat> She and a lady by the name of, I think it's Miss Leslie Hawkins, <clears throat> they were able to get the 32nd District Democrats to unanimously endorse a equity now uh, executive order to be signed by the governor and also rescind uh, the, the uh, governor's directive to kill the affirmative action, executive uh, directive uh, 9801. And uh, so uh, we also have a couple other folks who want to talk with, like Carolyn Riley Payne and Sine Emanuel. Uh, there's a big event coming up Saturday. It's a uh, talking about Get Out the Vote, sponsored by the NAACP. And I think I will be participating in one way or another. So I uh, want to thank uh, our sponsors, uh, Sound Transit and Leslie Joan and Joan A. Robinson. Hey, you, you and I have to get her on the air as well. She's a new civil rights person. Yeah. And then uh, me and Rice over at the Port of Seattle, we know there are a lot of poor commission races going on right now. And uh, Liz Alzier, uh, with uh, uh, purchasing and uh, construction services in the city of Seattle. And I think uh, Miguel uh, Beltran is also under that umbrella. So uh, in terms of uh, the, the latest push for uh, getting this executive order signed and having uh, uh, the uh, governor's directive 9801 rescinded, has there been any new information on that from your vantage point here? But I know uh, folks in labor were talking about it and I personally called uh, King County Labor Council President Larry Brown asked for he and Secretary Treasurer April Sims to see if they can get engaged. And, you know, I found out in uh, looking at this thing, there's an African-American female that's vice president of the largest labor union in the state. And I think her name is Miss Vaughn. Uh, I know you work with folks a lot closer than I have. So we're trying to get A. Philip Randolph, uh, Tabor 100's on board, uh, Sound Trance is on board, thanks to Kent Kill the chair of the Sound Transit uh, Board of Directors, as well as uh, Peter Rogoff and uh, Leslie and other folks who are involved in trying to bring some equity and fairness back to Martin Luther King Jr. County. And uh, we'll also be talking a little uh, later about that with Dr. Gayton. Uh, and, okay, Dr. Carver Gayton, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine, doing great. Okay, okay, I'm on my co-host is Hayward Evans. I, even though he went yeah, to Ballard, I might, you know him. Tell him I said hi. Yeah. Hey, I'm Phil, and I'm a Ballard B. Ray Carver. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Carver, Hayward had the bus from High Point to Ballard. Yep. Yeah. You know, the only brother, only brother there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was four anyway, uh, and one of the things that's happening, I want our listeners to know, is that in November, uh, I think it's the 5th, 6th, or 7th, the, I think it's the 1st, the 2nd weekend of uh, November, uh, is the 60th anniversary of uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. King Jr.'s only visit to the city of Seattle. And that was in 1961. And uh, uh, Dr. Carver Gayton was a language arts teacher and assistant football coach at Garfield. And uh, before we even go into that part, Dr. Gayton, why don't you just share a little bit about, I know it would take a whole hour or two or few programs to talk about the, the legacy and the history of the Gaten family. But why don't you just give our listeners just a little quick overview, snapshot of who Carver G. Gaten is. Well, I'll, I'll zero in on that, on that, uh, on that date. Um, no, that's CC Gaten, not CG, CC. <laughs> back in, back in the day. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I had just, I had just turned um, 23 when Martin Luther King, you know, came to uh, came to Garfield High School, but I'll give you a little bit of uh, uh, background. I uh, had graduated from the you know, from the UW and um, was doing some uh, you know some work as a substitute teacher, you know, for a period of time while I was doing some graduate work and also assistant uh, graduate assistant at the University of Washington football program at the time. And so I, I had not had a full time job, you know, since uh, I don't know when. In fact, my first job was full-time job. Really, was at Garfield High School, uh, coming in in September of uh, 19, 1961, and to teach a language arts class there, and also 
be the assistant uh, football coach to John Boitano. So um, my degree was in, was in history, and I had a minor in, in English. And so I, it was real fortunate. I'm not quite sure how I, I got the job, but uh, Frank Hannawalt was the principal at Garfield then. And I think he was the one that got in contact with me and said that there was an opening. And so I went back to Garfield where I graduated in, in 56. And the interesting thing, too, was uh, the fact here I am, you know, 22-year-old teacher, and three-quarters of the teachers there had taught me at Garfield. And, I, you know, it wasn't a, long, wasn't a long period of time from the time I left Garfield and then came back. So it was an interesting setup. But um, what, had, what had happened with regard to uh, um, Martin Luther King coming into Garfield was the fact that uh, a former a schoolmate of Martin Luther King, Reverend McKinney, uh, got in contact with me. I think he had only been in Seattle for a, for a few years as the pastor of, of Mount Zion Baptist Church. And um, he got in contact with me and, and said that, you know, I know you're, you're new at Garfield, and I said it would be you know, fun for you and, and, and interesting if you uh, had the opportunity to meet Martin Luther King because he's going to be speaking at Garfield on November 6th. And so I'd, I'll make it a point. Um, after he speaks, to have you come backstage to, you know, to talk with him. So that that gives a, a background of the situation at that time. But uh, yeah, you don't have time for me to go into a whole lot. Uh, you know, I just turned eighty-two years old. So if you want me to talk about eighty-two years, man, I, you. <laughs> uh, hey, hey Carver, Carver, answer, answer me this question. No, not to. Yeah, uh, uh, Carver. How did it feel when you first got back to Garfield and some of these teachers who who've worked with you over those over those years saw you there? Were some of them surprised, or how did they respond? Well, they responded. Uh, they responded, you know, real well. You know, I wasn't the greatest you know, student in the world, but I got along with them um, very well. There were only you know two other black academic teachers at uh, Garfield at the time. Ralph Hayes, you remember? It was uh, was one of them, and then Jean Hundley. She was there, you know, as a, um, I think she was a language arts teacher, you know, too. So, and then Bob Gary was one of the uh, coaches, and so there wasn't, you know, there weren't too many, um, too many of us there, but they responded very well. Uh, you know, when I was there. They accepted me, and I had kind of stayed in contact with them over the years. You know, having you know, mm. just gone out to the university, so it um, it wasn't a you know, a big adjustment, was, but it was a little bit strange, you know, uh, mm. you know having the uh, uh, that relationship with those uh, teachers. But people need well, to let's, let's segue to uh, the November, the 60th anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s only visit to Seattle. And this is where we're talking about you being at Garfield. And I know Lanisha de Bartolabin and the National uh, the, uh, Northwest African American Museum folks that we're working with, she's put together a dynamic team. Matter of fact, the word is getting out, and uh, I have several people who've come to me already just heard about it that want to volunteer. So can you take a few minutes and just talk about that event itself? Yeah. It, it, you know, one thing, it, it, it really doesn't seem that long ago, but it was a really long time ago. And so I was just told, you know, he was going to be there, and I was going to be there, and there were two assemblies that were set up uh, for the— uh, for the speech that Dr. King was, you know, was going to make. And I attended both of the assemblies. The thing is, there's overflowing crowds at, in relation to both of the assemblies. And um, he didn't have any notes, and he just spoke off of the top of the head. But everything, you know, it's just uh, inspiring. I wish, you know, that I had, you know, taken notes down or, you know, had an iPhone or whatever, which we didn't have back in those days. But it was just an unbelievable uh, experience watching that man um, and hearing uh, you know, all that he had to say. And he had never hadn't been up north, you know, uh, and particularly you know to Seattle uh, before. So it was a, a a great opportunity. And when I went back backstage after the second assembly, uh, it was just me, Reverend McKinney, and Martin Luther King. And the thing is, uh, you know, when he was speaking, you just thought of him as being about 10 feet tall. It, it was just a, it was a giant of, of a man. That's just the imagination that I had and how he spoke. 
But I went back, and I was uh, somewhat uh, taken aback and uh, noticing he was a little bit, a uh, little bit shorter than me. But um, uh, but when I when I when I shook his hand and, and looked at him, he seemed like he was uh, a little a, a little bit distant. And I I I looked back on that. I was wondering, you know, because I knew that you know he wasn't regarded back in those days as the giant that he is regarded you know now as. I mean the the, the white community thought of him as a you know as, as wild-eyed a radical. But the black community obviously were very very supportive of him, and it had only been a couple of years earlier when he had been stabbed in in, in New York, and so he, I'm sure he had you know, trepidation about coming, particularly coming up to to Seattle. He didn't have any bodyguards or anybody around, so I think he was, you know, it, it wasn't reflected in his speech, but I think he was a little bit um, wary of what was uh, transpiring, especially. Uh, due to the fact that uh, Reverend McKinney said that there are some people who, you know, who really don't want you to come up, and I understand that he got he was contacted by several people who said, well, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't bring him up here, and he was turned down, and I think by the by the city to be, make any presentation there, he was turned down by the First Presbyterian Church, and so it was only Garfield, and he got to hand it to you know, Frank Heinewald, who was the uh, principal there, who um, you know, accepted. Of the um, recommendation by Reverend McKinney, you know, that Martin Luther King speak there, so it was a very uh, historical historical time, and um, the one, like I said, one of the thing I, one thing I really regret is the fact I didn't have a picture with him, you know, at that time. But uh, it was inspirational, and you know, no question about that. And it, it kind of gave me a, a sense of the, you know the importance of uh, uh, being black. And the importance of uh, you know staying on target with regard to the issues that are related to uh, what black people are experiencing in this country. And sixty years later, we we'll still have to fight to make sure we have our right to vote. That's right. Yeah, we keep uh, <laughs> having to re rethink all of this business. And one of the things that I noticed when I was when I was teaching at the university is working on my my doctorate out there. You know, when I, I went out there you know, as a coach back in, in 1968, but then later on, I um, was teaching as a graduate um, a teaching assistant at the university and talking about the issues as related to blacks in America in, um, you know, 19, uh, you know, in, you know, beginning when I was there, started, you know, in 1970 and 1968 and so on. But then I, I was teaching year, a few years later in the late 70s. And I had to uh, reintroduce, you know, the students, you know, to what had happened, all the things that were happening at the University of Washington on the campus there, and the establishment of the uh, the diversity programs there, and we, the, the the whole issue of being able and having some kind of continuity with regard to the issues that have impacted on blacks over the over the years, and having to revisit those things, and. Um, you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not giving up. But it's a shame that you have to keep repeating, like you, like you say, Eddie. Have to keep repeat, repeating these issues that uh, just aren't going away. You know, two steps forward, and you know, and a step and a half back. I mean, you know, we have had some advances, but uh, not enough. That's right. We no, have we to have to keep. We, people got to be resolved because I mean, your rights are under attack. So anyway, uh, well, I'll get the information on my Facebook page about uh, the committees. We have a lot of people that want to participate on the 60th anniversary of the Dr. King's only visit to Seattle. So uh, we will we will uh, definitely stay on that. So Dr. Carver Gate, well, we thank you very some, much. We have some great we'll, people that, on that committee with you and Hayward and uh, you know so many others, and we're gonna we're gonna make the Martin Luther King proud you know, on that uh, on that day or maybe I may go into two days but uh, we're working hard on them have great people that are involved it's going to be a wonderful celebration and, uh, and we, we need to celebrate these kinds of things more often than we do we'll keep people posted thank you Carver Gate. we appreciate you Dr Gate. thank you okay thank you thank you so much for asking me to be on okay always a All pleasure right. okay so long Okay, our next guest is Miguel Beltran, who is with the City of Seattle Purchase and Construction Services Division, and he has a lot of responsibilities uh, 
in, in his backpack, must I say. So Miguel, welcome, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Haywood Evans, my co-host, and Eddie Rye. Why don't you take a minute or two and just introduce yourself? You have such a stellar background, a lot of accomplishments, went to some uh, major colleges and universities and uh, doing it. I'm sure you're doing a good job for the city of Seattle. So welcome once again and share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Again, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I work for the Purchasing and Contracting Division, part of Finance and Administrative Services Department on the lease here, as you mentioned. And one of the things that we have in uh, purchasing and contracting is the WIMI program for the city. Uh, you also wanted to, uh, to talk a little about my background. I'm a civil engineer. I graduated from the National Autonomous University in Mexico City uh, back in 1998. And then I moved to the States. I did a, a master's degree in transportation systems and then another one in public administration, both at, at Cornell U University. And uh, I work uh, in the private sector for a while as a consultant doing business improvement for government agencies with a focus on transportation agencies. And then I decided to, to work for the government. And uh, lucky me, the city of Seattle welcomed me, and I've been there for a couple of years, probably 10 years. And uh, so, you have quite a few programs. Why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about some of your responsibilities because the Women Minority Business Program, you got the Disadvantaged Business Program, you also have the Workforce Development and the Apprenticeship Program. So you must have quite a few people working under you to cover that many uh, areas of responsibility. Thank you. Yeah, we have a team of around 10 people, uh, and we have prevailing wages, disadvantaged business enterprises, women and minority business utilization, uh, equal benefits, acceptable work sites. The priority hire is managed by a different team, by Anna Pavlik, one of my colleagues. But uh, one of the, and women and minority business utilization is one of our biggest things. And we have multiple initiatives within that program that we're launching to increase the utilization, specifically of minority-owned businesses. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today is uh, one of these initiatives. That's our technical assistance services contract. We've had a contract for almost two years now with the Northwest Mountain Minority Supplier Development Council, and that contract will end this year. So we will be issuing a request for proposals to procure a technical assistance service consultant uh, later this year. And in preparation for that RFP, we are reaching out to community organizations and WIMBY firms to help us refine the scope of work for this RFP. I already send invitations to almost 20 organizations in the region, and we encourage any of your listeners to, who are businesses who, to participate in these sessions because we want to hear from them. The information we gather from these sessions will help us ensure that the services we provide in the future technical assistance services contract are the most useful and meet the needs of MBE community. In the next couple of weeks, we will be holding virtual input sessions and welcome attendance again from all all firms, including and more specifically, minority businesses. The dates and links of the sessions are posted on our webpage, and it's very easy to find. It's uh, just https colon slash slash consultants.seattle.gov. So we'll be running two sessions next week, one on Wednesday, May 19 from 6.30 to 8 p.m., another one on Thursday, May 20th, from 4.30 to 6 p.m., and the following week, on May 25, we'll be running one last one from 5.30 to 7 p.m. We also will have a... Now, how can our listening... I just oh, want to make sure that you leave that uh, contact information for our listeners who might would be interested in uh, pursuing that information? Absolutely. Uh, all the, 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 the dates and the links to the meetings are posted on our webpage, consultant.cl.gov. Uh, if they have any questions, they can reach out to me as well at uh, via email, Miguel Beltran, M-I-G-U-E-L dot B-E-L-T-R-A-N at cl.gov. Okay, now I want to ask now, what does uh, the utilization numbers look like for the city of Seattle when it comes down to African-Americans and other uh, businesses owned by people of color? 
depending on the type of procurement, it varies. We re released our annual reports uh, earlier this year. Uh, the wind utilization in general is very good. When we look at the minority utilization, we recognize that we, we need to do a better job, and that's why we're launching some of these initiatives to increase our utilization of minority businesses. So what kind of percentages are we talking about? Uh, what, we so have, what about the level of participation by African-Americans and other businesses owned by people of color? Absolutely. If you give me a minute, I'm trying to uh, get... Okay, well, I mean, if you don't have it, I, I mean, I thought you might have had it on the tip of your tongue. Because usually most people know when they come on the program, they know that we're going to ask about how well we're doing. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has... Hayward, I apologize for not forwarding you this very interesting information on Miguel Beltran. Uh, he has a stellar background in terms of academic accomplishments and also workforce performance. So, hey, whatever, do you have a comment or question for Miguel? Yeah, Miguel, thank you for being here with us. And, and I consider you a Seattle like 10 years there. Yo, man, you're just one of the brothers. Yeah. Uh, um, Miguel, my question is going to go sort of along the lines what Eddie was talking about. You know, our capacity, particularly in the community for the descendants of the African enslaved in our community, the, the number of participating businesses has dropped significantly. And a lot of people, at least what I hear, they say, well, when you first go out and you bid on these jobs, because you don't have that current track record that inhibits you or you already uh, have a couple of strikes against you. Is that correct? Or, or do they get equal treatment if they're just introducing themselves to the industry? Yeah, we're trying to change that. So we have several avenues to encourage businesses who have not participated with NCDCL contracts. One of them is, for example, our job program, job order contracting, where we have a smaller uh, subcontractable uh, packages. Uh, so we, we have a very active job contractor. We're working with Forma Construction right now. But part of it is having this technical assistance uh, service to help businesses understand how to be, do business with the city, understand requirements, help them uh, do better marketing, uh, connect them with the city people so they understand when the things that the procurements are coming out. And so, Miguel, if they so if they say they took the class or they went to the seminar or the workshop or whatever, and uh, and they got through it. Does that give them an extra head up in terms of getting the contract? Because the question is their access to it. They might be qualified, but because of the supposed experience on their resume due to the fact that they got killed financially because of the impact of I-200, uh, that inhibits them from reintroducing themselves into the industry. Is there any way they can be expedited where they get some kind of couple bonus points for that, for being the victim? Uh, we, uh, as you mentioned, I-200 won't allow us to give preferential treatment. However, one of the tools that we use in the city is our inclusion plan. We use it on construction, on consultant contracts, and on purchasing contracts as well. And that encourages the prime contractor to subcontract to Wimby firms. And that has been very successful. And talking about some of the percentages, uh, Eddie, um, I got them in front of me. In 2020, uh, year end, our Wimby utilization for, um, let's see, for, for all city contracts was for black contractors 2.46%, for Asian American 5.38%, for Native Americans was 1.85%, Hispanics 1.91%, uh, for a combined of approximately 10%. So what was uh, what was the percentage for white women? White women, 8.17%. Okay. 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 So almost, so almost twice as much. Almost equal to the entire. Now, is, is that is that construction or is that a combination of construction, consulting, uh, goods and services? Uh, what does that encompass? Everything or just one specific area? That's a combination citywide for everything: construction, purchasing, consultant contracts. That's okay. Okay. Oh yeah, we just like to see a breakdown so that because uh, also I sent lists of stuff. As a matter of fact, we're engaged now with a 
uh, some of our friends in the Indian American community. We formed uh, the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative. And I sent Liz some information on that. And that's uh, going to get some of our folks an opportunity in the digital uh, technology uh, training that's needed for these good paying jobs. But Miguel, uh, I want to send you a, a picture of uh, when we took over uh, City Hall, October 1972, to get Beacon Hill School to become El Centro de la Raza. And uh, so uh, I presided over the hearing. Larry Gossett was the secretary, and you'll see the late Roberto Maestas in the picture. But anyway, I want to talk to you offline, too, because Hayward and I, the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, uh, we would like to be able to work with you uh, to see if we can get something good for our communities as well, and uh, also lend our expertise and give you some input and suggestions uh, to make sure that we get some equity. And we're trying to start off with the Governor Jay Inslee to, to rescind uh, the Governor's Directive 9801 that killed affirmative action. I-200 didn't. Uh, so for 23 years, I-200, the laws been misapplied. And we want to share that information with you and Liz, the mayor, and everyone else. Uh, matter of fact, our next guest is going to be Winona Hollins Haig, who was one of the leaders to get the 32nd District Democrats to unanimously endorse equity now to have that governor's directive rescinded and Governor Jay has to sign an executive order. So Miguel will be in touch with you. Thank you very much. And Hayward and I and the Civil Rights Coalition, well, now we can probably have a meeting since we've all been vaccinated. So we'll be talking on you soon to have that meeting. We'll probably Zoom for right now. It'd be just more expedient. But we definitely would like to have you meet with some of the members of the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition. Thank you so much, Eddie. Uh, okay, then. Thanks. Thank you, Miguel. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan Haywood Evans. Our next guest is Winona Hollins Haig. And let me first of all apologize. I did correct the misspelling of your name on Facebook already. So <laughs> I want to let you know that it's been corrected. But anyway, uh, I am proud about you and Ms. Hawkins leading the 32nd District Democrats to a unanimous endorsement for Equity Now. So, Winona, Holland's Egg, why don't you go ahead and let our listeners know who you are. You can even tell them what, pro what radio program you're hosting, how they can find you. <laughs> thank you so much, Eddie and Haywood, and thank you for this opportunity to join you today for this very critical, important discussion. I'm Winona Hollins Haig, a member of the community, a native of Seattle, a Garfield High School graduate. I was glad to hear that you had Carver on there uh, earlier. 
and also uh, very active in several organizations, um, including the NAACP, and I also am the chair of the social action for the NCNW, National Council of Negro Women. I am pleased to be able to bring you good news um, from the 32nd District, I, where I am the PCO at the 32nd District for Ennis Arden. I am also the co-chair of diversity and inclusion for the 32nd District. And the other evening at our major meeting, we were able to introduce an emergency resolution. And bringing that emergency resolution, I was working very closely with the second vice president, who is a young sister coming up, who will be a force to reckon with, and her name is Lillian Hawkins. Her mother was, um, for many years, uh, the executive assistant for uh, legislator, uh, legislative um, Marilyn Chase for the 32nd District. And so she's cut her teeth and grown up in a family of advocacy and obviously worked closely under her mother and um, Representative Marilyn Chase, our former representative for the 32nd District. So the other night we had the opportunity to coalesce with um, our representative, former representative, Jesse Weinberry, who brought to us uh, the opportunity to come on board with a, a resolution urging Governor Jay Inslee to sign a Equity Now executive order. Now, those of you who know Seattle, know Washington State, you know we have been plagued by what we consider I-200. But it was actually the executive order that was written by the governor, uh, the directive number 9801, which for 23 years has grossly misinterpreted initiative I-200. And so now what has happened is we have researched, done the homework, and brought it back, looking at all the things, including the AG's opinion from 2017, all the way uh, all the way through we've just gone and done the homework to set it up so that it can be with the governor's signature and authority brought in as an executive order that kills nullifies and replaces the one that was so clearly overwhelmingly uh, negative and caused so much distress for our minority businesses so, you know, every time we talk about, quote-unquote, affirmative action in this state, people get up and they say, we don't want affirmative action. Well, we actually almost brought it back in, minus 1% of the people that didn't vote for it and killed it after we had it on the books. And again, I have to stop here and pause and say the real reason that I'm behind this and so passionate behind this is because my aunt, the late Jackie Jones Walsh, your good friend and member of many of the things that you're talking about doing now, like bringing Dr. Martin Luther King's Day celebration forward and our um, uh, MLK days and past president of big blacks in government, past chair of, the, um, of so many things. Well, she passed away, but her spirit lives on. She was able to fight through illness and help us gather signatures for I-1000. And, of course, we know what I was just saying. I-1000 did get passed into law, but, of course, it, uh, when it got to the regular ballot, it was not voted down we, with less than 1%. We lost by 1%. Let's put it that way. But at any rate, we're coming back now, coming back with all full authority. And I just want to make it known here that in King County, just a few days ago, I had the pleasure, and I think we all did, we heard that our county exec, Dow Constantine, has actually signed his executive order for King County on equity. So, you know, kudos and thank you to, obviously, our King County exec for his actions on this. Now we're asking, coming out of 32nd District and our resolution, we're asking all of you to talk to your coalesce and talk to all of your community um, 
entities, uh, your faith-based communities, anybody that is a voter and can listen, or anybody that's willing to call the governor's office, email the governor's office, uh, text them, let them know you are behind the governor's signing of this executive order. Now, the chief of staff is receiving your input directly on this resolution, and her name is Jamila, J-A-M-I-L-A, Thomas. And you can reach her at Jamila, J-A-M-I-L-A dot Thomas at G-O-V dot W-A dot G-O-V. Before June 1st is our deadline for this. So we're asking all of you to come on board. We thank you know, we know the gentleman that was on here earlier, and and we thank Eddie and Haywood for pressing him on the statistics. We know what the statistics are. We know that we are behind $3.8 billion in monies that could have gone to our businesses. Qualified women and minority businesses have been shut out of the market. And, of course, uh, you may recall... I have been in business in the state of Washington no. years ago when uh, Tyree was my neighbor, as well as uh, just so many, Reggie Fry. You know, there's been so many of us who have seen the other side of this turn back on on anything that is about business for minorities. So we have I just want to say that I, I want to give Table 100 credit for orchestrating yeah. the, the signing of the executive order by King County Executive Dow Constantine. We've invited uh, King County Dow Constantine onto this program. I'm waiting for his staff to get back to me, Carly and uh, Michael uh, Compost. I'm waiting for them to get back because we want to find out from him to see some kind of an idea what will this executive order really mean? And, you know, it has to have some meaning and it has to go from the top down. And people making decisions on who's on war to contract, get the promotion, or get the job, you know, they got to be in the loop and they got to be committed. So, Winona, Collins right. Hay, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you and Miss Lillian you. Hawkins for the outstanding work you guys did in the 32nd thank District you. Democrats. And I certainly hope the people in the governor's office in Olympia heard what you guys did because it was unanimous. And the 32nd Legislative District, ladies and gentlemen, is not a majority-minority district, believe me. Okay. Oh, no. It is majority, all right, but it's certainly not of people of color. So thank you for having us on, and thank you for everybody for coming on board and supporting us. This is how we will do this. We will do this together. Equity now, executive order, equity now, on the governor's desk, waiting for your signature and your support. All right. Winona Holliday signing off. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. And that leads us in to the president of the Seattle King County branch of the NAACP, Ms. Carolyn Riley Payne. And the NAACP has been really busy dealing with this voter suppression all across the country. And Ms. Carolyn Riley Payne, do we have the same threats of voter suppression in Washington State, or do we just have a problem getting people motivated to go to the polls? Oh, well, a little bit of both. Uh, we don't have it. Uh, the, the issue is uh, always suppression because, you know, they're always trying to figure out. They stay. Uh, I think they stay up nights thinking of ways to keep us from voting, to keep us from the polls. And what um, uh, and we don't we have people that we, there's no reason that we should not have everybody voting. It's one of the easiest places to vote. To get registered to vote and to vote. But for some reason, uh you know, we just we we don't do what we're supposed to do. We don't even put it in the mail, and you don't. I don't even know if you have to put a stamp on it. You don't have to put a stamp on it. You won't drop it in the box. But what we need to be mindful of these days is is voter suppression and how they are uh, redistricting the the subtleness of it. See, here out uh, on out here in Seattle and in Washington State, it's not like in your face uh, in Georgia. But it's the subtleness of it. It is the wording of um, the legislation for redistricting. These uh, steps like that, that, uh, that once again, we have to stay diligent about and, and keep calling it out and making sure that it doesn't um, 
get passed and make sure that the governor had, we put the pressure on the governor to sign into law um, uh, executive orders that will give us uh, a stronger hold in the in voting so voting rights cannot be just taken away. Well, we're trying to get the same thing for equity now for, uh, for, for business, for education, and for employment. It's really something. I don't know how we let it slide. For 23 years, I-200 was misapplied, and it cost some people $4 billion. I don't know if we'll ever see it, but uh, hopefully uh, Governor Inslee will uh, rescind uh, uh, Governor's Directive 9801 and sign an executive order that will restore affirmative action. Uh, I-200 did not kill it. It said there's no preferences for gender or race. But when the governor sends out the directive to everybody under the sun in the state, he gives them the idea that affirmative action is dead. That's what killed it. Uh, and folks have suffered, suffered mightily. And hopefully some people can be made whole when, in fact, uh, we can get the attorney general and other people to make that ruling they need to make. So, uh, Carol, so what are just a, a couple of the top priorities? I know I got uh, some name manual. I also want to thank Amy Stoddard, too. Uh, for hooking up uh, the political action committee and also getting uh, Sine Emanuel, who's going to be on along with yourself. Uh, but uh, on Saturday, there's a big event uh, dealing with uh, the vote. Uh, did Amy send you the, you get the information on that? Oh, well, no, yes. But, you know, it's on our website. It's everywhere. That is part of our overall town hall um, sessions that we've been having. And this one is politics making a difference in our community. And see, what is happening is that we have been doing these commu uh, com community town hall meetings, et cetera, and we'd like for more people to attend them. They're virtual, so you don't have to go anyplace, and you can get all the information that you need uh, by being on your computer or on, on your phone. And the p politics making a difference we're going to have the voucher, uh, Annie Tram for uh, a Democratic Democracy Vouchers in Seattle to let people understand what it is because people are throwing them away because they don't know what they are. So uh, we have been doing, we've been talking about this for the last uh, few, uh, few months. We've had uh, different types of uh, community activities, and we just need our community. We try to inform the community on what's going on. We're going to have, um, and tonight we'll talk, we'll talk more in detail, I'm sure, about um, the people that are going to be on the panel, uh, which you are the moderator for. So um, we will. Madam uh, President, we want you to hold on. We want you to be on with tonight for a minute. We're going to take a break, but we want you to hold on. Carolyn Riley Payne, President of Seattle King County Branch of the NAACP. Talk about an upcoming event on on Saturday from 1130 to uh, 11 to 1230. Anyway, hold on, uh, Madam President. So we'll just now join us shortly after this break. So hold on with us, please. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at Port Seattle. Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination 
and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest. We have uh, Carolyn Riley Payne, president of Seattle King County Branch of the NAACP. And we've been joined by Sinai Emanuel from the NAACP Political Action Committee. Hi, this is Sinai. Sinai, how you doing? Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans, co-host of Urban Forum Northwest. I know it's your first time on with us, but all the work you've been doing. Uh, do we still have Madam President Carolyn Roddy Payne on with us as well? Yes, you do. Hi, Sinai. Okay. How you doing, Madam President? I'm, I'm well. Okay. Okay, so Sinai, you want to go ahead and tell us about what's coming up on Saturday morning and uh, your role in orga- helping organize this thing. I gave Amy Satter her, her uh, dues already because she's been busy organizing as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to... Uh introduce you all to our uh, upcoming voter town hall. So I'm really honored to be here. My name is Sinai. I'm part of the political action committee. Uh, I'm a committee member. Um, and on Saturday, May 15th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., we're going to be live from Zoom, from Facebook Live, and on YouTube for our voter town hall. And our voter town hall is part of our politics making a difference in, the, in our community series of town halls. So if you want to join, the link's on the website, on our social media page. Um, at King Seattle King County NAACP. And so at our voter town hall, we're going to have a variety of panelists. Uh, we'll have a panelist, Katie Garrow from the MLK Labor Union, Annie Tran from Seattle Democracy Voucher Program, and Haley Watkins from King County Elections. Um, Katie's going to be talking about endorsement processes and the ways in which they engage voters at the MLK Labor Council. Annie will be talking about the Democracy Voucher Program, which is the first of its kind in the country, uh, and the impact it has uh, and can have on candidates running caucus. And Haley will talk about the process of voting in the county and the things that the county is doing to engage the community. And so there's going to be a lot of audience interaction. There will be uh, audience questions for all the panelists. You can submit questions a day of at the event, or you can submit them ahead of time to political action at seattlekingcountynaacp.org. And the general idea of the voter town hall is to have a place in which people can come and learn more about the voting process and hopefully want to get more involved in local politics. And most places do not have elected officials who are as diverse as the people who live in their districts. You know, and voting and encouraging candidates of color to run for office can help change them. Later on, we're going to be hosting, as the NAACP of Seattle King County, we'll be hosting voter registration drives in the summer in an effort to continue uh, to engage people in participating in local politics, civic engagement, and voting in particular. I want to add. One of the I want to see if uh, no. one of uh, one of the things that we want to make sure that people understand is that as um, the NAACP wants to, everybody to understand that it's more than just the presidential elections that you have impact and you make a difference where you sit. So in your communities, in the different communities in King County, we want to bring. That's what these town hall meetings are doing about information, getting you uh, involved in what's going on in the local community and how you make a, what you do make a difference. Exactly. Anyway, uh, one of the other things that... Okay, um, Okay, I want to see if... Go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, Sanai, I don't want to take it away from you. Do you have any... you want to add anything else to uh, what you're saying before I go on? No, I just want to echo what you're saying. You know, a lot of the times the focus is on national politics, but in reality, a lot of the change, a lot of the nuts and bolts is happening on the local level, your city council, your county council. And a lot of the times um, your average ordinary citizen is not going to know a lot about how to be involved in local politics. And so this is a way to, to break, shift the focus back to the local communities, especially as we have a, mayor, uh, a mayoral race coming up, you know, in, in the city of Seattle. There, we need to switch off from national politics and look towards what's happening in our community, specifically in our in our city and in our state. Well, in every and a lot of the communities in Kent, uh, in Renton, there are 
several races that are very important, that's impactful. And we'll be covering those, uh, not just uh, Seattle, but in all of King County. We're looking at covering having other town hall meetings that have other races that people can call in and get to, uh, get more information about, get up and cl- up, up close and personal with those that are making decisions, those that are running for office, so that we can hold them accountable for what they say or what they don't say. And uh, another thing that uh, we're going to be doing uh, on the 22nd is a, uh, a, remembrance to, a, a remembrance and call to action. And Eddie and uh, Haywood, you guys understand and know that if you don't remember, you're doomed to repeat it, and then mm-hmm. things get lost in, uh, under the rug. So we're going to be calling uh, <clears throat> uh, names of those that have uh, lost their lives uh, to violence in our community uh, by the police or however they lost their lives because um, as more black and brown people are killed, their individual stories are forgotten uh, and, the par- and the families are still hurting. So we just want to honor them. And we just want to uh, remember them uh, on the 22nd. Uh, and uh, as a reflection of the for the community to come out and and heal a little bit and um, call to action, take some action. So we are. Uh, uh, before we go, I want Sonia to give out the if uh, contact information for the town hall on Saturday morning. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the easiest way is to go to our website. Go to our social media. Our, our Instagram, Seattle King County, NAACP. Um, if you just even search on Facebook, search on, on YouTube, you'll find it live streamed the day of. Just a reminder, it's on Saturday, May 15th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. If you have questions about our local democracy and, and the city of Seattle and, the, and King County, you should come to the event and ask your questions. It'll be okay. an opportunity to learn more about what's going on. Okay, so now, and uh Madam President, Sharon Riley Payne, I want to thank both of you guys very much for the end of the work the NAACP is doing in the Seattle and Martin Luther King Jr. County. And I look forward to being with y'all on Saturday morning. So thank you very much. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, okay, before we go, I want to thank uh, the City of Seattle's Purchase and the Construction Services Office. You heard Miguel Beltran, who's in that group. That's Liz Alzier. Uh, Sound Transit with Leslie Jones, Chief of Labor, and Jody Robinson on the Civil Rights. The Port of Seattle with me and Rice, uh, Stephanie Oval uh, does our technology for Urban Forum Northwest. Our website's urbanformnw.com. And then uh, David Fukuhara, uh, Concourse Concessions out of SeaTac. I was out there on, on Friday, went down to visit Angela, came back on Tuesday, and man, it is real slow. And then uh, Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. Uh, I wanted everybody to really pay attention to what's happening with uh, the request for the executive order uh, to reinstate affirmative action. Uh, there are some naysayers out there and uh, we can't wait another year to have equality from Washington state. We need to have Governor Jay Inslee rescind the governor's directive 9801 and uh, sign the executive order restoring affirmative action in Washington state. Equity now, fairness for all, Everybody should have an opportunity. It should not be this way. So this is uh, Eddie Rye and Hayward Evans, and we'll be talking with you again next Thursday. You can see all of our stuff if you go to urbanformnw.com, and you also can hear us on Alexa. Saturday morning, 7 to 8, if you're up early, this program will air once again. So thank you, Eric. Have a good weekend. The sun is shining.